Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Well, morning, Matt. Morning. It's uh, it's a nice, not too bad Saturday morning here this morning. It's beautiful. We, I'm I, I'm recovering from a bit of a cold, so if I'm a little sniffly, yeah, my uh, my apologies. To, no, yeah, I, right. I, uh, I I won't. Looking forward to this today, oh, yeah. Stu. Yeah. I, First Corinthians is, I think, one of the more interesting books of the New Testament because there are so many issues that come, like mm. really. Mm. Interesting issues that this book raises. Yep. Very practical. I mean, there's a lot of really practical stuff here. And it's all about, you know, a lot of it comes back to priorities, doesn't it? What's Okay, what's the most important thing here? Yeah. I love that perspective constantly. When you're dealing with issues, yeah. one of the main questions you've got to ask is, okay, hang on, just let's just go big picture first. Yeah. What is the most important thing in this situation? Mm. And Paul keeps coming back to that, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure does, as, in, particularly as we move into you know chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about that, and um, I, you know, it's really encouraging to, to hear uh, how Paul talks about love's role in everything. Um, and I think the other thing to remember here, too, is that we're talk, Paul's ad- addressing real issues, and yeah. they're... You know, similar issues that we face today. Yeah, know, absolutely. Some, oh, they're persistent issues. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's very, you know, even though sometimes we can read these things and think of them in a historical historical context, the reality is they've got absolute application for us, in particularly in the corporate church setting, which is really what Paul's yeah, addressing here. Absolutely. As we move, into, as we move forward. So. And speaking of the modern context, uh, the, the, the famous love passage in mm. chapter 13, yep. you know, love is patient, love is kind, I yep. mean, you know. The context is all important for this, isn't yeah, that's it? Right. Because it, we, you know, we've often heard that passage, but the context is in this situation uh, where you've got a you know group of people claiming a kind of superiority based on their gifts yes. and attributes, yeah. and uh, well, well, the spiritual gifts from mm, God, and mm. and you know, Paul comes back, and and in a sense, that's causing some division, yes, in the church because there's like these different almost believers of different status mm. almost mm. and um you know paul comes back to the main talk about the main that's issue right. that's right he and we, comes back to that yeah and we often hear that passage in weddings and that's great because you know, all yeah. of those things are true but the reality yeah. is here he's trying to compare the importance of love compared to all these other spiritual gifts in particular three of the sort of the greater gifts if yeah. you want to use that terminology as paul did that that people are vying for when he's going, well, hang on a minute. Actually, the most important thing's this. Yeah, you know? and you get you get the the sense that um, these guys have been wearing their giftedness yes. as a bit of a badge. badge of, of you know, yeah. look, look at me, and yeah. and love is an important contrast to that. And and I think the best, you know, my best definition of love would be to the recognition of infinite sacred value yes. in a person. Yes. That's what, you know, love is in a sense, it's a, it's a kind of knowledge. It's, it's a, it's a will to recognize. It's mm. not, it's not just a passive thing, but a, mm. a will to look at another person mm. and recognize and sense the infinite sacred value of that, yeah, that's uh, of that person. That's, you know, that's what we experience, you know, when we look at our kids, they're, they're not just an object. It's not just about their usefulness no, right. or, or it's th- th- their value isn't the sum of their, attributes or talents is it you know there's an infinite sacred value there and so in a sense what we see here in this contrast is rather than he's saying listen rather than get all caught up in your own gifts and how good you are uh, focus on love which enables you to see how good incredibly valuable and sacred the other person is you know um i think it's that's great it's it's a it's a I, I, I love the contrast between those two things because I think naturally we get so caught up in how I want other people to see me. Yeah. Whereas this is pointing to no, you need to be, you need to, what you really need to get caught up in is not how other people see you, mm. but in how you, you are going to other see people. other people. Yeah, that's spot on. Well, here we are. We, we better do a quick intro, Matt, so people know where we're oh, up to here. I, I thought that was you're the already, intro. You're already into it, but we're, we're Thrive Deeper, we're at uh, episode 153. 
with uh, last uh, episode we came out of uh, Corinthians uh, one one Corinthians chapter twelve where where Paul's sort of talking about the diversity of the spiritual gifts. Mm. Uh, at the end of that, Paul sort of says, uh, "But I'm going to show you an even better way, in yeah. a sense." And we're now jumping into one Corinthians chapter thirteen, and as mm. you say, Matt, we're starting to talk about love, which is the greatest gift of all. And yeah. um, you know, Paul, although he doesn't, you know, he certainly says the church should eagerly desire those those gifts, you yeah. know, and particular as he describes them, the greater gifts of prophecy and tongues and knowledge, words of knowledge. Uh, he then tells them, though, that the greatest gift of all yeah. is is love, and uh, love should be the priority over all other aspects of life in yeah. the spirit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That the flow on from chapter tw- you know twelve and thirteen is mm. is important. You know, as as we've said. Mm. So Paul kind of uses these extreme examples right at the beginning there, yeah. uh, where he sort of talks about. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah, it's great, great isn't it? Yeah, yep. and he goes to these extremes because what he's trying to say, he's not trying to say that he can or anyone can speak in the tongues of angels, but he's kind of saying even if I could, yeah, you know, a bit like me saying even if I could physically walk through a wall, yeah, uh, even though that might be well, at the end of the day, if that's not with love, then yeah, you know, it well, he's not he's yet. not saying he's not saying that people can't to some extent. No. I mean, you know, and it's interesting. There's lots of discussion about this and yes. uh you know the tongues of men and angels and even even discussion about what actually the gift of tongues actually is mm. is is it like a mixture of a lot of languages is it like the bro- like broken glass and is it like the shrapnel of of almost language kind of falling apart you know it's like the breaking of a glass ceiling yeah, right. in, in 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 a sense it it does feel a little bit it feels a bit like that like mm-hmm. you know uh what comes out of your mouth is like the shrapnel of of your whole sort of linguistic structure of your mind as you as you kind of um you know connect with god and and connect with something that is beyond you know and and commu- communicate in a way that's beyond words but then you know there's this idea that there's this sort of angelic uh, you know, in some kind of angelic language. Look, maybe, and and yeah. and this is the interesting thing. You know, the New Testament never deals with these things scientifically, but no, in our yeah. in our very analytical we age, try to, yeah. we tend to come to the to the to the New Testament. You know, yeah. to the Bible. Actually, this is very true of the whole Bible. We come with these sort of, uh, you know, a kind of scientific mindset that wants to get into that analyze the details mm. and the data and mm. okay, well, what actually is this? And we we take this. Uh, you know this analytical mindset to the Bible. Where the Bible doesn't actually cater for that. No. The Bible is is actually shepherding us towards an experience of relationship with God mm. and correcting the obstacles to that. Mm. You know, and it doesn't give us a lot of analysis. Like we don't, you know, he's not giving us a scientific analysis here of what actually speaking in tongues is. And yet, you know, he, and yet he's. He he does say, you know, I I wish that you would all speak yes. in tongues. So he's he's, he, he's not taking away from or downplaying these things. He's saying, uh, you know, he's encouraging the church to seek after all of the spiritual gifts, particularly gifts that edify others, of yes. course, as he says. Yeah. Um, but there's a sense in which he it's it's step into this with the right framework and and with the right kind of heart mm. of love. Mm. And keep things in the right order, you know, consider other people. So get all of the big picture principles in place. Yeah. And then you'll find out for yourself. Yeah. And I think that's where it's got to start, you know, the, the, the kind of starting from the position of love. Because, uh, you know, um, he, he almost says that without love, you're better not to have these gifts. I mean, he says yeah. speaking in tongues is not just neutral. It's actually a resounding gong and a clashing symbol. Yeah. It's actually... Not a good sound. Yeah. Not even a neutral sound. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's not. You know. It's it's worse than nothing. That's right. Almost. So it's not yeah. for like this. You know. This is for you. Yes. And yeah. uh, of course, you know, unless it is is in, is interpreted, interpreted. But it's yeah. not the the actual speaking itself is not something that anyone particularly right. needs to hear. That's between you and God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's let's get the big principles right. Let's get all of these. Let's keep you know. Let's keep the order of and the, yes. in respect for other people. Let's make sure we're always acting in love. And then you know, and then go for it, like you know, like that 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 creates the right context. And the interesting thing here is that there's still this sense in which, like, they're given these gifts, but if they don't steward them well, they don't necessarily lose. It's interesting they don't necessarily lose the gift. Mm. I find this interesting mm. because yes. they've in some ways been misusing these gifts, but it doesn't then make these gifts. Um, uh, well, it doesn't. It doesn't invalidate the gifts right. themselves, yeah. or, or or it doesn't invalidate the fact that these people actually have these gifts. Yeah. So this is interesting. It's like mm. you can have, you know, 
a gift of – I mean, think about all – you know, mm. I, I think about the more sensational gifts that he talks about in Chapter 12, you know, mm. uh, you know, g- gifts of, you know, performing great Miracles. signs and you yeah. know, wonders. And, mm. and yet you could actually – Misuse it. Misuse that. You could actually steward that in the wrong way. That mm. the, the the implication here mm. is that that becomes a possibility, mm. because he's talking about no no hang on guys, you're you're not using this in the right. You're yeah. you're using these gifts and you're wearing them as a badge, like a prideful. And you know there's nothing, nothing worse than pride. Like you mm. are wearing this as mm. as a as a badge of your for your pride. So. I mean that's it's a sobering idea yeah, that you can you can have spiritual gifts but that doesn't necessarily just because you have spiritual gifts it doesn't mean your character's yeah. in the right place. No, that's right. And and you and you actually you know there's a danger there that actually having you know being gifted by God well then there's a responsibility to steward them well. Yeah. Um and you know you you see this is a biblical principle isn't it Stu like you it's like um uh, think of in the book of Deuteronomy, for example, when God say, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless you, but be very careful once you've got all these blessings that you don't say, oh, hey, look how good that yes, I am. And then yes. you forget God, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so there's this sense in which it is possible God can give you gifts, even spiritual gifts, not just material gifts, but spiritual mm. gifts. Mm. Uh, and that could go to your head and you could get that wrong. And it could, it could if you don't steward it well, can actually lead you away. Yes. Um, yeah, so great. you know, and you so you see, so that's the importance of he's saying, listen, this needs to all of this needs to happen in the context of love. Yeah. The, the spiritual gifts are are um, really tools for you to love other Others. people, yeah. you know, yeah. and and make sure you keep it in in that perspective. Because at this stage, it's been tools for building yourself up. Yes, and he said, no, no, it's not tools for building you up. It's for build for you to build other people up. Yeah, no, that's um, great. So. And then he defines love. Love is patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, not proud. Um, it's interesting here. Uh, it says love always protects. It always trusts. Mm. Um, there's an interesting uh, in- article that I read by um, the philosopher I did my PhD on, Kierkegaard, right. yeah. wrote this, uh, not an article, but like a it's kind of a, a sermon thing where he talks about how, and it's an interesting point that he makes that love always trusts. Right now, if if I'd be interested to see what you think about this, Stu, because uh, and and the reason I bring this up, is people say, well, you can't trust. You know, like you've got to, you shouldn't trust uh, everybody. Yeah, you, you've got you've got you shouldn't trust just everyone and mm-hmm. anyone. And mm-hmm. and like yes, yep. kind of get that. But the point of uh, of what Kierkegaard says in this, and it's in a, in, in a, it's a chapter in a book that he is called um, Works of Love, where he discusses the whole book discusses love, and he says, yeah, but the thing is, is that w- when you trust someone in love, if if that trust is betrayed, that's actually their problem. You yes. know what I mean? That's yes. that's on them. Yeah, your responsibility is to trust. And to and to give them in a sense the benefit of the doubt. I mean, yeah. it's an interesting yeah. idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Your responsibility is to give them the benefit, to trust them, right? Yeah. Uh, and in, in you know, in the hope that they will then live up to that trust. But if they betray that trust, mm. that's on them. Mm. Uh, and you and, and then he says, and you have will have done the right thing. But mm. that his point is, but that's the sacrifice of love. Yeah, no, that's right. You know, yeah. now it's a confronting idea, and yeah. and I think you probably want to put some some boundaries around. We shouldn't be foolhardy. Yeah, well, I think you know you give the benefit of the of the doubt yeah. where there is no doubt, but if there is doubt because someone's proven, but that, isn't there isn't there always doubt? Like you know, well, I mean, you, you trust someone, but but if it's not doubt, it's not doubt. So if it's proven not to be doubt, in other words, doubt is something you don't know, but you're not sure. If that doubt, if there's no doubt that there's a problem, yeah, then that's where you've got to actually put boundaries in place. I, I feel anyway, and I feel like this for me speaks a lot to just always mm. starting from the place of believing the best in the other person. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. We yeah. tend to jump straight away to thinking agendas, and yeah. we should just accept yeah. people at face value. And and my kind of not that I'm always good at this, but my sort of philosophy in life is I, I'm just going to believe the best in this person until they give me a reason yeah. not to, really. Yeah. And that's where that doubt is removed, and it's yeah. like clearly the intention there. And yeah. um, and I'll continue to love that person and yeah. and do my best to trust that person, but I'm going to have more – I'm going to be more guarded around yeah, that because right. that they've now proven to me that yeah. there's an element of doubt. You know? That's right. So, and I think you know. I think this goes against that. It's the constant, constantly being suspicious of everyone yes, and everything. Exactly. It just does not. Uh, yeah. It's not a good way to live. And and uh, and we we live in a world. Yeah. I think anyway. That's so 
built on agendas that when someone says something, we're always trying to go, oh, I wonder what's behind yeah. that. Actually, yeah. maybe there's nothing behind that. Maybe yeah. they're just gen. You know, if someone came and said to you, Matt, I just want to give you, you know, 500 bucks, you, your first mind will probably go, okay, what's required of yeah. me? Yeah. Rather than just believing the best intentions of that yeah. person. You know, that's a bit of an extreme example. But yeah. I find myself having to remind myself of all the, to- all the time of that. Because sometimes people aren't good at communicating things, and I jump to my own little set of conclusions, and it's yeah. actually you need to keep saying, "No, no, I'm actually going to believe yeah, that's the right. best intentions of this yeah. person." Yeah, and and, and, the and if they and if there is a hidden agenda, or they let you, it'll well, come that, out later. That's yeah. their problem, exactly right. And again, it's part of the sacrifice yes. of love. I, I'm going to believe you, and 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 even I'm going to give you the benefit me. of the doubt, yeah. even if it's going to cost me. Yeah. And this is the consistent thing about love: is that there is a sacrificial, high yes. sacrificial element. Yes. Of loving in an imperfect world, loving yeah, that's right. you know imperfect people in an yep. imperfect world, and I think that flows into the next one, which is love always hopes, because I yep. think there's an element where, as as Christians, and if we are truly going to love people, that even if someone does let us down, yeah. we've got to continually have the hope yeah. in them, you know, coming right, you know, finding their way, and yeah. you know, so when someone fails once, we we, we shouldn't lose hope in that person yeah. as a as, as yeah. person who's going to love in a Christian way. We need yeah, that's to right. continually be finding ways that we yeah. can. Help them out. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah. And then, of course, to, to underscore the importance of love, he basically goes on to say, love is the only thing that keeps going. Yes. All these right. gifts, are uh, they're going to cease, but love will endure into eternity. That's the point of this statement, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Yep. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For, we, for now, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes... Yeah. What is in part disappears. So the, when the completeness, this is talking about, of course, when Jesus returns. Second, yeah. I have heard this verse, and uh, and, and, and uh, you know the, the worst use of this verse was to justify the cessationist position, which right. is uh, that all the spiritual gifts finished with the apostolic era. When, when the sorry, not with the apostolic era, when the when the ca- when the canon of scripture yes. was closed. Like, yep. how do you read that? Yeah. It's absolute exegetical gymnastics to. Yes. To you know, to stretch your your interpretation yeah. to to that place. No, it's talking about that. You know, all of the spiritual gifts will continue right until Jesus comes That's back, right. and then his whole point is is that into into the next age, the only thing that's it's you know. Uh, Will endure into eternity is love. Yes, and it underscores the importance of love. Yeah, uh, he goes on then to talk about uh, their public worship and, yes. and h- how this actually works when, when they come together. So he gets quite p- specific here, which is actually just before we move yeah, in there. Sorry, okay. Matt. Just before yeah. we move in there, I, I reckon one of the other things to say here is that Paul kind of points out um, pretty clearly that the the second most important commandment is to love one another yeah. as you love yourself. Yeah. And so obviously first, love the Lord your God with all your heart yeah. and all your mind. The second one is that. So he's basically saying above all of these other things that you've yeah. elevated and think are important, yeah. coming back to the love thing, and, and we'll, this will flow into the next one in corporate worship as well. Let's remember that the second commandment, the second yeah. you know, yeah. law really yeah. uh, is to love one another. Yeah, and so right. everything has to be in the context yeah. of that yeah, above all other right. things. Sorry. Yeah. Which – which this all becomes the guiding principle yes. then for how they conduct themselves in worship. Correct. He's saying it's all about the other. It's all about blessing mm. other people. Mm. That's what love does. It's you, you need to see the sacred value in another person yes. and, and draw it out. That's what love does, right? It's not yep. about overshadowing each other constantly with our talents and gifts and how good we are and or, you know and and you get this sense that this is kind of what's been happening here. Yep. And we need to not be towering over each other and overshadowing. We need to be lights to each other, right? Yes. Light casts no shadow. Light brings to the light the value in the other person. Yeah. And uh, and essentially that's what pro- that's what is the gift of prophecy is doing. It's mm. it's actually drawing out that gold. It's 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 bringing to light uh something in someone that builds them up yes. and encourages them. Yes. And so that's what that's what he points uh that's what he points to here and he says um when you get together, you need to focus on the gifts that edify each other uh, because, I mean, it's hard to know exactly what was going on here, but mm. one presumes that everyone's blabbering on in tongues yes. and, and uh, people and, are shouting and over saying, the top of each yeah, other. It's and, just yeah. not, this is not, this is not yeah. a constructive situation. When you're getting together, uh, like, fine, do that in your pr- privacy or do it quietly. That That's all good. Or do it quietly with, with someone who can interpret. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, focus on 
the gifts that are actually intelligible. Yes. Um, that that are going to build others up. Otherwise, I mean, he says, otherwise someone's going to come in and think you guys are in, in, just crazy, this bunch of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's amazing how you know. I mean, in in all of my years in the church, how this is this very principle has often not been really put into practice very well. Yes. You know, in terms yep. of sort of the intelligibility and and yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean. Uh, it's, it's an important principle we need to recognise yeah, here. Absolutely, and I, I think it goes beyond just the speaking in tongues thing. I think it goes it goes about the language we use in church, in a worship service, yeah. in a worship context, and you know, um, Paul goes on to talk about that, and we'll come to that soon about you know non-believers coming in. It needs to be intelligible for them. They yeah, need that's to understand right. what the gospel message is because yeah. you know one of the important p- purposes of worshiping together in, in corporate worship is yeah. actually to reach the lost. Yeah, know? that's right. That's right. So, and look, you know, I mean, I, I've. Uh, a lot of my prayer times, I, I you know, um, I will speak in tongues. Will be, mm. you know, this prayer language, mm. and even, you know, even sometimes, like in in times in w- corporate worship, or you know, often, you know, quietly, yes. you know, uh, and, but uh, again, you know, m- my focus is always going to be on engaging with with the corporate thing. You yes. know, yes, uh, not not just you breaking off. It's not about my moment. It's mm. about me. Uh, mm. Now, look. Sometimes there is, you know, I, I need to just, you know, make that connection or or get some things off my chest with, God, and that's fine. You know yep. what I mean. Yep. But the goal is always to connect with yes. the with the corporate thing that's yeah. that's happening. That's so, um, uh, so he says, and he says, by the way. Um, uh, what, what is he? He says the spirits of um, uh, the prophets are subject to the prophets. Yes. Uh, and the reason he says this is because he's saying this is not some out of control kind of thing. Well, it's like you can control because I think yeah. he was probably trying to preempt perhaps someone saying, well, when I've been taken over by the spirit, I can't control myself. He's going, no, 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 no. Don't use that as an excuse yeah. for just yeah. going Yeah, verse 32, the spirits yeah. of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. Yeah. The point there is, uh, yeah, is that you, you, this is not. Uh, and it, like an ecstatic thing that you just can't help it. That's right. No, no, you can, you've. And again, this comes back to it's we uh, we receive the gifts, but mm. we have to make choices about how to steward those, those gifts. gifts. Yeah, and we need to do that in cons- in consideration for others. And that's the that's sort mm. of the big idea here. Mm. He talks about the gift of prophecy being you know the, the, one of the one of the gifts that really can align and 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 lock into the, yeah. the whole aspect of love because we can use it to encourage strength and comfort others you yeah. know whereas tongues tends to be a bit more for personal yeah. engagement uh, unless as as you say it's interpreted so and i think it's important to say that prophecy in the early church probably res- resembled what we would call preaching or teaching today it was people getting up and bringing a word uh which is you know uh, you know a message from god and the language of the people um that yeah bene- well it, that it benefits it, everyone yeah you know? it's it, it it would have it would have been a it's a bit different to the teaching like you know doing an exposition of scripture okay and and the reason i say that is because we do have examples of prophecy in the yep. book of acts yep where uh it's you know in a sense you know that that um where you know paul says i've been war- you know warned many times that you know that there there are uh going to be hardships and obstacles you know and uh, and so forth so so there's there was a sense of that prophecy of foretelling yes. certain things there yes. but there's also that specific it's that specific word uh to people that mm. builds that mm. builds another person or to a group of people yes that is that specific word for now and i think that's where it's an interesting thing because there is a there is a strong overlap between biblical exposition and pr- prophecy in preaching i'm I, i'm often a, like i i'm I feel I'm often aware of um, a very important uh, aspect of the prophetic in preaching. In fact, it's something that I I really try to um, you know to flow with as much as much as possible to to get a sense of God. What what is it that you? Yeah. What is your heart now for, for right here and these people right now? Yes. Yeah. And and th- that's a prophetic kind of thing, you know. Mm. And mm. and often. Uh, often I will, you know, th- there'll be a s- sense of a picture or, or, or something mm. very specific that, mm. that God, that I feel God will give me. And, and I'll, you know, and I'm never saying, you know, the Lord, you know, th- I, I've, there's always, I think it's always got to be put across with a sense of humility. It doesn't have to be 
prefaced with thus says the Lord no, or, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, sometimes I'll say, you know, I feel that, you know, God might be mm. pointing this out or doing, you know, just to, because again, our, it is, um, we are fallible creatures. And mm. so we need to deliver these words with an element of humility. It doesn't even, some, sometimes the important thing, you know, I, I've had, uh, you know, w- prophetic words for people where I've just, I, I don't need to pre- preface it with, with anything, you yes. know, yeah. uh, I've just encouraged them with that word. And, you know and they've that said that, to me later, yeah. oh man, that was so yeah. perfect for, cause I was just praying the day before this. Mm. And then you said that, and it, mm. and I didn't, didn't need to be prefaced with this is a word of the Lord mm. or, or cause yep. you know, one of the things about a prophetic word is, is that it, it's it's not only saying something good; it actually does something yes. good. Yeah, right. You know, it's like Ezekiel speaking to the dry bones. Speak to the dry bones, and they will live. You know, mm-hmm. it has this mm-hmm. has this uh, that you know, prophetic word will have a power to it to actually mm. uh, instill life. Yeah, in, in you know, into someone in, in that moment. So coming back to that point, and particularly you who does a lot of the preaching teaching at, at our yeah. church, and this is going to kind of lead a little bit into sort of Paul's sense of orderliness. When you say, you know, you, you're, you're really trying to lean in to here, that doesn't mean in the moment, on the day, I'm going to wing it. Uh, there may be, I'm, I'm assuming, Sometimes you can tell is, me, yeah. there may be yeah. times where you're yeah. kind of going, I feel like God wants me yeah. to go here, but but it doesn't mean you don't prepare yeah, yeah. during the week. Yeah, that's and right. There it's is a sense of doing, yeah. you know. It's interesting because, I mean, sometimes it seems more spiritual if you just come up yes. with something on the spot. Yes. Yeah. But but that can be also, you know, there, there, there can be a problem with that too, because there's a sense, like at, at my best, I feel like I am absorbing what God is saying mm. right up to that moment. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and, and if it is a last minute, I have to ask myself the question, why, why is it last? Now, it may be that, you know, in some cases, it's just that flexibility of the moment and God's you know, God, God teaching me to to be responsive in the moment mm. and to, you know, because mm. there are quite often elements of what I will say that won't be scripted or, of course, uh, yeah. and that isn't in a moment in the moment sort of thing. So, yeah. so there is, I, I will say, there is an element of the prophetic that sometimes that doesn't happen until you're in the moment. Yes. I've experienced a lot of that, and yet, um, the best prophetic experience experiences that I've had. Uh, moments uh, uh, where it's been built into me, and it's like I carry it. Yes, with such a, bur- yeah. it's like it's it's a good kind of burden that you mm. carry into that space, mm. almost with a sense of nervousness. It's like it burns within you so much. You think, how am I even going to? Yeah, really yeah. say this, you know. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say, and, and I totally get that, and I know that the Holy Spirit can work spontaneously, but I think sometimes we think if it isn't spontaneous, it's therefore not yeah. spiritual. Yeah. But, you know, the Holy Spirit and God can be speaking yeah. to you two weeks before a message he wants yeah. you to deliver yeah. or about worship, right. a yeah. worship song and, and leading yeah. that in advance. It doesn't have to yeah, happen that's right. spontaneously. Yeah. And I yeah, think that's, that's right. you know, perhaps where Paul's getting to a little bit here with the orderly side of worship in yeah. the church where yeah. everyone's kind of just doing their yeah. own thing. So, so you know? I think, you know, when you and, and that's and this is the thing with the stewarding it as well. Mm. Like just mm. because you know God gives you a word, it doesn't mean right. I've got to get out and give right now in this way. And it's mm. no, no. Mm. It you know it. Th- there's we have to consider the context. We have to. It doesn't have an know, expiry it, date. That's right. It doesn't have an expiry date. It yeah. could wait. You could yeah. write it down. You could yeah. talk. You know, bring it to uh, one of the leaders. You know, it's not like this. Mm. Always this sense of urgency. Mm. So. You know, I mean, and I mean, sometimes, sometimes it is in in the moment thing is speaking to a moment, of course. Uh, and you know, but but I think that's where there's certain roles. I mean, you know, we we have in our church, we have you know trusted people who understand that, and and in this case, particularly some some of our elders who understand that that there's an there is the opportunity, yes. And given you know the big meaning, it can't be everyone and everyone. It's not like mm. open mic, mm. otherwise it'd be chaos. Mm. But there's you know there there are those certain people that we trust and we say, listen, we're we're, we're really open to this. Yes, come up. You know, and and there have been plenty of moments where Absolutely. people have have given those words, and they've been really, you know, they've been great. So, yeah, that's uh, so that's you know the, the 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 point here about order again presupposes that we as people are uh, have the responsibility of stewarding these gifts yes. well yeah. and doing so wisely, respectfully, and and so yeah. forth. No, that's good. Um, uh, Stu, verse thirty four. Uh, let, let's talk about this because this has uh, been um, 
uh, been a controversial, classic Pauline controversial statement. Mm. I'll let you. I'll let you go. <laughs> um, <on that. laughs> interestingly, not controversial in his time. I mean, he no. actually in his time he's trying to avoid co- being controversial. Yes, exactly. Uh, but he says in verse thirty-four, women should remain silent in the churches. They're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. Mm. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, mm. for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. So let's just remember the context <clears throat> of that is yep. in the middle of him talking about prophecy, and if. Someone gets up in the in yep. the, in the yep. service in the public yep. worship service and prophesies a word. Others can then inquire yeah, of that right. to get more information. So it's not just this random thing sitting out here yeah. on the side. It's in the context yep. of that. Yeah, you know. So that's right. Us. And so um, basically, what he's trying to protect uh, protect here, and this is what the commentators are fairly uh, you know unanimous on, is that what he's trying to protect here is a situation where. Uh, a, a, a man's wife will, will get up and, and question that, you know. The husband has just, given a, he's just given a prophetic word. And, and Paul say, listen, and particularly in that culture, mm. you, you know, just th- that's not a good way to get that. That also is not mm. a respectful and loving mm. and considerate thing. And he's uh, thinking about their relationship, I would imagine, because later yeah. on he says, ask those questions at home. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. you can inquire there, but not in the public space. Where And the reason that he says this is because he says, as he goes on to say, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, he, that's, this is a descriptive statement yeah. saying, and, and in a sense, you could almost, you, you could translate in the assembly, because the word there for church is ecclesia. Yeah. Ecclesia was a common word of all kinds of assemblies. And the fact is, in that day, mm. it was... Mm. Disgraceful for women to speak in public yep. in these public assemblies, right? Yep. He's just pointing. Now, I know. Look, I know this goes way again. Oh, that's t- you know. T- mm-hmm. This is the ancient world. It's yep. like two thousand years ago. Yeah, in a completely different culture. Yep. And what he's saying, let's not stir up controversy. Yeah, because remember, he'd he's been saying earlier, as in chapter eleven, you know that when. Both men and women, when you get up to prophesy, here are some of the mm. ways in which you can protect. You know, you mm. cannot offend social norms when mm. you do that. Well, right? And that's and that's what you know, I interpret. Love is not rude. You know, which we've just talked about yeah. earlier. It's like the heart of rudeness is disregard for for social norms. It's yeah. a disregard for social customs. Yeah, um, that others kind of consider important. Exactly. And so if there's a way we can do things without disregarding and being yeah. rude to those people, then yeah. that's what we should do. That's, that's exactly what love right. is. Which know? is, and that's the. the the, you know, in a sense, this connects with the discussion in chapter eleven about the head coverings yep. and everything, because yep. all of that is about. Okay, he's saying, and again, very counterculturally, you know, he's saying that both men and women have this opportunity to get up and prophesy. Right? It's mm. the, like the, you know, it's it to to be this kind of mouthpiece for God, which is the highest, you know, kind of role. Mm. really in terms of gifting and in fact he elevates that very gift yes. you know a- above the others here um and and this is something that both men and, and women do in fact there's a very famous early church painting of a woman uh, standing up uh, you know in in the church uh, prophesying um you can google that uh, it's in the in the catacombs uh, and, you know so but against that kind he's saying so okay w- we have we're doing this stuff that's already kind of on the edge. Yes. It's already yes. kind of controversial because we want to release men and women. Because remember the promise in Joel two that's quoted in Acts chapter two is that you know upon all people, both men and women and young, old, you know, alike. the Holy yep. Spirit is given to all alike. Oh. All people are gifted, men mm. and women. It's not just about the guys here, mm. you know. But he's saying, you know, in chapter eleven and again here, but guys, let's not be controversial here. Let's respect. Mm. These social norms, mm. because in our culture, it is disgraceful a woman to speak in the assembly. Mm. And for people coming in who weren't believers or were, were joining, yeah, you know, that would basically they'd be out yeah, the door again because right. they they yeah. know, don't understand yeah. that. Yeah. And you know, in, in some ways, since I've had a couple of interesting conversations uh, about this, you know, okay, so what about what about in our context? In, you know, an interesting thing is in our context, I, I think, whereas. They were leaning one way to not be controversial. You know, I think there's almost a sense that we lean the other way. Too like, because okay. I think our, our culture quite rightly, mm. uh, you know, has has reacted against the abuse, mm-hmm. you know, yes. like male abuse of power yep. uh, over over centuries. And um, uh, and there's no there's no doubt that you know that 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 has been you know that that there's truth in that. And and then um, and then there's also this uh, recognition of the importance of 
the different perspectives of the genders, you know, yes. uh, yeah. and, and that we, you, you know, in our society, we need this equal leadership voice from, from, and I mean, it's, it's one of these, you know, it's one of these points where, uh, our, okay, our culture is acknowledging the importance of genders when, you know, elsewhere in our culture, wanting to smudge the boundaries of gender. Or yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, th- that's, that's actually a really valid thing, which is why I think it's important to actually have male and female voices mm. uh, in the church, because yeah. it brings that multi perspective, you know, uh, that's great. sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, that multi perspective perspective. Yes. Does that make sense? That's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so you know, so, so in a sense, uh, you know, I think with with passages like this, it's it is really important that we understand why that things are said, and and yeah. just because they grate against against our cultural sensibilities, we've got to remember we're reading something that's two thousand years of completely different cultural period. Yeah. But also, he's writing a letter back to a church about very specific things happening yeah. in the church, and we can take lessons from that. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But this isn't just some random statement. This is in the context of what was happening in Corinth. It was in the context of the culture at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and and look, and yeah. and he's also wanting them not to throw out. The, the the biblical baby with the cultural bathwater as well because exactly. he wants to say you know there is you know th- there's there's the principle of, of roles in the family and the relation you know biblical principles that he mm. that he points to uh, mm. that's got nothing to do with uh, you know with fundamental equality or anything like that no. so he does want to preserve those but he also wants to say and 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 but we need to express these in ways that are culturally yes. intelligible people and not and yeah. and, and, and not so be we stirring don't, up and we don't alienate people controversy we, yeah. we, we give ourselves yeah. the best chance to reach people for Christ um, yep. Chapter 15. Chapter 15, Stu. How are we going for time? We've got another... Yeah, we're good. Another 15 minutes. All right. Stick with us, folks, because chapter 15's... We'll see how we uh, go. Chapter fi- look, theologically, chapter 15 is a really important one yes. because he addresses a situation where th- for some... Th- and, and again, we're in a Greek context here, so that, mm. so th- that they have... they While believing the resurrection of Christ, mm. they somehow have come to this point where where they don't believe anymore mm. that believers will be resurrected the general resurrection. not physically yep. Yep. but that we spiritually will go off and sort of float in a spiritual heaven now in a in a greco-roman context that kind of makes sense that was a popular idea mm. um physicality was sort of frowned upon physicality yes. in in a sort of greek philosophical context is mm. inherently imperfect and so uh, you know, the, the sooner you can throw off embodied existence, the better. So they seem to have, they seem to have fallen into into some kind of uh, uh, spurious mm. way of thinking there. Well, and probably because they were drawing a lot of these people into the church. Yeah, these people were coming in, and they were bringing this thinking with them, and and obviously it just gained some momentum. And you know, because yeah. as you say, Greek philosophers really largely at the time, from my research anyway, rejected the gospel largely because yeah. of this one thing, because yeah. of this bodily resurrection thing. And yeah, it's like nah. there's probably also <sighs> the problem. Behind this, where they have overplayed uh, the significance of their own spirituality. Now, like you know, uh, Paul talks uh, talks constantly about you know we have uh, we have a sort of a the first fruits of the spirit. It's yes. not we we you know we have in part, and this is why he emphasize now we know in part. Right? Yes, that's right. Now we have in part. Mm. They seem to have thought, oh, this is it. This is the yes, we're there. Um, yeah, we're there in mm. some sense. Uh, you know, we, we're we're now fully spiritual people because we, you know they're experiencing these gifts, mm. and so and he's saying, well, yeah, you have a taste. Mm. You have in part. So the first fruits kind of reference comes back to, you know, bringing the offering of the first fruits from the Old yeah. Testament, which is the beginning of the harvest, but it's yeah. not the whole harvest. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. It's, it's just the first fruits of the yeah. harvest. Uh, and, and which is, you know, Jesus, again, was the first fruits of the resurrected yeah. in a sense. And so there is more to come. And um, I think that's, you know, what he, in terms of trying to use that term to help them understand that we aren't, yeah. we haven't got everything. We haven't got the whole harvest yet. We're, we've only got the first fruits of the Yeah, harvest. that's right. Yeah. So, so his his response basically is, and I'll, and I'll summarise yeah. how he responds to this. Firstly, he begins by re-establishing the the, the view that they commonly held was that mm. Christ was raised from the dead. Let's yeah. just get and and in a sense, because he refers to Christ again, the first fruits. Yes. Christ is the first fruits of those resurrected. That's what he emphasises. Um, 
that's an important point because if Christ is the first fruits, then our resurrection is going to be very much like his. So we can look at, that's right. and this is the interesting thing, in some ways we can imagine what the resurrection body will be mm, like mm. because you can look at Jesus yep. post-resurrection yep. Uh, and and uh, and kind of see, and anyway, that's he, he does go there. We'll talk about that in yeah, a moment. Yeah. So he first establishes that. Okay, so let's just, Christ was raised from the dead. That is Essential to our faith, right? exactly, absolutely right. essential. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, there's no we, you know, we, we've completely believed in vain, right? So, yeah. um, and then he he goes on to say, okay, but if Christ was like, if the dead are not raised, right? Mm. If if you deny that there's going to be a resurrection, well, that actually means that then you're denying Christ's resurrection as well. Yes. Like if the dead aren't raised, then mm. then you've got to interpret Christ's resurrection, mm. and and then our whole that completely undercuts our whole faith. Yeah, uh, and then he takes the reverse position. So he then goes on to say, but since Christ has been raised from the dead, mm. the inevitable corollary is that we are yeah. going to be raised from the dead as well because he's the first fruits, right? Yes, uh, and then uh, and then he goes on about. Their, their positioning, it shows the absurdity of their, you know, yeah. basically, uh, anyway, I, w- I won't yeah, go into those no, no. details. But, but in um, terms yeah. of the centrality of the resurrection, basically, if there's no resurrection of Christ, then sin is not defeated. That's yeah, the yeah, reality yeah, of it. Yeah, that's so right. there's no argument that's, about that. That's where I was going to go. Good. Yeah, Thank great. you for summarizing. Yeah. And then, and then he, and this is the interesting question, mm. you know, he then takes up the new issue. Uh, how, so how are the dead raised, right? Yes. The, 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 now that's, um, so he says, you know, but someone will ask, "How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come?" Now, I, mm. I reckon that's a good question, mm-hmm. right? And you'd think, you know, sort of uh, nowadays we'd say, "Well, that's a good question, Stuart." Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> a good question. You know, there are no no bad questions here, as you say, as a teacher, and every ask mm-hmm. your question. That's a good question. What does Paul say? How foolish! <laughs> <That's right. laughs> He's a hard man, isn't he? Uh, I. It's it's funny, you know. I, I've occasionally people say, I don't know about Paul. I don't, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he, he's a bit of a hard character. I don't think he's a very likable character. Yeah. But see, the thing is, and this is, this is the wonderful thing. I think what Paul had to go through to do what he yep. did, there's a, there's only a certain kind of person that's going to go through, mm. you know, I mean, he, there, there was a strength about this guy mm. that made him push through so many barriers mm. and, and, but it came with he's he's pretty straight up and down sort of guy. But also, I mean, remember the context here. He's writing in a letter, yeah, to people he isn't going to be able to see face to face for maybe yeah. years. It's not like they can come back and go, oh, remind me again mm-hmm. why. Yeah. So I th- I think he's kind of really swinging hard to make it sound like there's absolutely no doubt in my mind, so that they really, you know, it's like yeah, I, I think he is doing that. But I I do think he swings hard anyway. Okay, and 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 I think this because of of. You know, like the story of Paul in Acts, and even things yeah, like, like yeah. for example, that thing with Mark, where where Barnabas and Paul arguing over whether Mark should come along, yes, yes. and and Paul's, you know, Barnabas saying, "Oh, come on, like give him another go." He's, you know, because obviously he he chickened out at some yep, point, yep. and Paul's just saying, "Get rid of him." Get him! It's <laughs> just like you know, he's such a so this hard, uncompromising guy, and and you know, and and again. You know, we've got to. Ex- it's this sense of accepting all different people yep. in our imperfect world. Come, you know, and Paul always, you know, he's, he's not. It's by no means a perfect no, person, no. Uh, and you know, and what he writes, he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But you do get his personality coming through that very hard, kind of fairly blunt. Yes, I'll, I'll say it that way. And actually, I'm glad for it. Yes, exactly. I, I think actually, there's no ambiguity. Uh, you know, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, yeah. he, he's he's written what the Holy Spirit wants him to write. But he's written it actually. I I, I love the fact that that you know the person that has written this is someone that's just pretty straight up and down and pretty blunt, straight to the point. <laughs> that's what you. That's what we need, Stu. Isn't <laughs> yep, it? That's what. You, uh, yep, so yep. I, anyway, I knew you'd resonate with that man. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so he says, how foolish, right? Yep, yep. How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So he basically, you know, he, he points out that there is, there. Yeah. yeah, you know, that that there is there is continuity and discontinuity between, mm. uh, so so we, we will receive a physical body that yes. there'll be, it'll, it's, it's not going to be uh, incorporeal or not non-material, however, mm-hmm. however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's it'll be of a completely different nature. Yes, it'll be a different kind of physicality yes. to the body. Like he says, you know, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. 
Now, the flesh and blood there, he's not talking anatomically. He's not answering no. questions about what we're going to be anatomically. He's just saying flesh and blood is like a technical term for mortal flesh because, you know, blood now. drains yeah. and you die. Yeah. And yeah. So there's going to be this element of immortality. But he also defines it as spiritual in some sense. Yes. Now, not spiritual in the sense that we're going to be ghosts. No. Like, not in that sense. And if we look at Christ, I mean, <clears throat> you know, as you say, spiritual doesn't mean immaterial. Uh, the resurrected Christ, Jesus, he could be touched. Yeah. You know, he could appear suddenly, even in rooms with locked doors. He could disappear just as yep. quickly. He could still break bread, eat yep. fish, cook, yep. distribute food. I That's mean, right. all these things that he could do in his resurrected yep. body. So it's a- including not a ascend into he- and, a- and he was able to ascend into this other dimension. Yep. Yeah. It's like, what is going on there? Yeah. You know, and, and of course, it's depicted... Uh, you know, it's depicted spatially, of course, you know, mm. goes ascended into heaven. Mm. But you've got to think of this in dimension. Like he, he was able to pass mm. in in some sense between dimensions. Yes. Uh, you know, that 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 is, you know, that that is interesting stuff right there. So yeah. Yeah. so there's this uh there's this quality of continuity. Mm. It's gonna be you, quite likely recognizably you, um, and yet it will the, the the body will be of a of a spiritual nature of a spiritual quality suited to the new yeah. environment. So it'll have a different kind of glory yeah. to it, as he you know as he says. And I love the picture he gives with a seed. You know, so a seed yeah. comes from a tree, yeah, but until it's planted and dies it, and grows again. But it's 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 sort of references the tree from which the seed came, but yeah. it's a whole new thing. Yeah, that's right. You know, and yeah. and I think I think this then gives us a really important clue then to what the eternal state will be like. Yeah. Uh, that it's not a, it's not float. We're not ghosts floating around, no. you know. And the, the Bible doesn't predict the end of the of the physical world well, universe. No. I mean, God created yeah. the world; it was good. And talks about you know, a new world. That's right. New and, and there's and a, yeah. you know, there's a new heavens and new earth. That's right. And we're on, and yet, you know, there is this. It, it, it has this spiritual nature to it. You know, it has this new kind of glory to it. And the and so while. As you say, we see Jesus doing very physical things, embracing people and being embraced and, and eating and, mm. and, you know, all of these sorts of things. And yet at the same time, able to pass in quite freely in and out of this spiritual dimension. Yes. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, Man, I'm looking, I'm looking forward, forward to, to this. Right. This is going to be great. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah, um, that's great. It's interesting, yeah. actually. I find this in- I, you, you, as you know, Stu, I, I dipped in and out as a real amateur in, into. I've been interested in the, the sort of philosophical implication of some of the findings of quantum physics. Yeah, astrophysicism. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, and, and, and yeah. it's really it interesting at the quantum level. Yeah, yeah. You know, things seemingly come in and out, mm-hmm. like, and, and they talk about multidimensionality mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and how there's this, like, quantum entanglement in a way that they can't physically account for. And, yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm a real amateur because I'm no, but, mm. uh, but, at the quantum level, and and it's really quantum physics has made uh, has been one of the key things that has made people really question this the strictly materialist worldview, yeah. where there's only ma- you know matter. Well, at the quantum level, they're saying, well, actually, at the quantum level, matter looks it's pretty strange stuff. Yeah, you know. That's right. uh, so you know, you know, while some of this might seem kind of strange, mate, reality is. Mm. Pretty strange, mm. uh, you know, mm. and 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 we're realizing this more and more. So, so a couple of key points that yeah. come out of that for me, anyway, because um, you know I think there's a temptation for us maybe through life to kind of think that our bodies aren't that important, and when we die, we sort of discard that like a shell. Yeah. Well, in fact, it's not quite no the truth. Our bo- our bodies are an important part of us. I think yeah. that's an important thing. Obviously, we're going to spend eternity in resurrected bodies. Yeah, they'll be perfect. They won't be subject to death or disease or weakness or any of those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but we should also see death as an unnatural, as unnatural. I think we tend to sometimes yeah. normalize death. Yeah. Well, that's just a normal. No, it's actually unnatural. It yeah, came into right. the world yeah. as a result of yeah, sin. Yeah, that's right. And so it's an enemy, and um, it's not just another phase of our lives. Well, it's but- it's it, it was. Now let me think about that. Um, I don't know if we've got time for this no, too, but okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. Go. In 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 one sense, it was natural because human beings had to eat from the tree of life. In order to be live forever, yes, didn't they? Yes. So, failing that, they they would naturally have died. That they, in a sense, would naturally die. And this is why there's no reason to think in in the original perfect world that animals 
plants and animals, and there, there, you oh, know, there would yeah, have been death point. in that. Yeah. So because because the tree of life was uniquely given to human beings. That that mm. was mm. that was like, had that sacramental quality mm. that imparted. That part, which was part of the image of God, was the mm. ability to you know to live forever. Mm. You know, mm. um, so so there's nothing there's nothing in in those first chapters that says that uh, that death wasn't in some ways part of the natural world, but human beings would in some sense transcend rise that yeah. and rise above that mm. uh, and and have this connection, this sort of heavenly connection. You know, as the as those image bearers of God right. in the world, right. right. Anyway, that's just no, a, that's a, it's a, a, you know, theological point there. But this is what's exciting about this chapter is that, you know, it talks about the the perishable being closed with the imperishable, mm. and getting back to that, you yeah, know, yeah. and that that ability to to move seamlessly in in you know the physical and the spiritual. Oh mm. man, I, mm. that, this is. You yeah. know, it's it, it it really is exciting stuff, yeah. and yeah. and you know, and Paul talks about this stuff because he says we need to look forward to this. That's right. We've got something to look forward to. That's here, when our salvation know. is complete. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and 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 we should long for this. And it's the classic emphasis where he's constantly saying, "Don't get so, you know, caught up in what you want in the here and now, because ultimately we've got something coming to us. That's way that better. is beyond what what you, you can even imagine, and that is the ultimate fulfillment of all your desires. That's hope. Hope yes. is is saying this is. I don't like this world the way that it is. I don't like the way that I am the you know mm, things mm. are the way that I am and the way that the world is. Hope says I'm longing for what God is bringing about like longing for this stuff. So yeah. that's what you know he talks in chapter 13 about these three remain faith, faith hope, hope and love. love. Okay? So we've talked about love. Hope is the longing for what faith believes. Mm. With mm. with that certainty that's planted in our hearts, that's yeah. what hope is. Yeah. I mean, he says, "Hope, this hope is going to save you." So look forward to this stuff, anticipate this stuff with joy, because this is going to be amazing, and uh, and this is what we have because Jesus paid for our sins and rose from the dead. He's the first fruit. He went there first. We could we know that we're going there. You know, read about the resurrection of Jesus because that's what's going to happen to you. That's going to happen to you. That's good news. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. 